Hey, this is Jen Slumack, and I've been recording for about three years now interviews with people that I found interesting, conversations that I've had with people that I enjoyed talking with. And uh, I've been trying to put together something to call it a podcast forever. And my buddy Vince Carone told me recently, hey, uh, if you want to start something, all you have to do is be about 40% uh, sure what you want it to be. So <laughs> I'm about there now. 40%. I'm going to just start uh, putting some of these things out there and let's see what happens. Again, a quick warning. This is a heavy conversation uh, about depression and suicide. This is part two of a two-part series. Enjoy. Some of the first times that I lost people to suicide, I was angry at them. I was angry at her at first because she was my talk about depression buddy. But I really, really think that Your belief has everything, the way that you perceive our experience on this planet has everything to do with your capacity to grieve it. (laughs) Yeah? You just be going deep, just dropping nuggets. Yeah. Your perception, how, how you view life here on earth. And then your perception or your view of what comes when you leave this body. Will determine how you grieve, how long you grieve, whether you can be joyful about it or sad. And let's flip that even, and I'm not making assumptions about anybody who has committed suicide, so please hear that. But if I can place a what if in front of the thought I'm having, what I believe affects my capacity to sustain the pain in this experience, right? If I believe that I'm just a spirit trapped in a body here on earth, it's like, yeah, I don't like the way this car drives. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and roll the dice on this one again. I'll be back. You know, if folks believe in maybe reincarnation or if people believe that the spirit will uh, find itself here again, Mm -hmm. differently on the other hand if people believe that we are the identity that we associate with in the human form what is there beyond this pain right and why why sit in it so ultimately What's left from this young man's life? A baby. She's pregnant. Um, For me, it's memories. And really, the whole experience of losing him and the connection being through work, it grew me up a little. And understanding that this is what life is. Tell me more about that. Death is inevitable. Um, yeah. You just said, this is what life is. It's a cycle. We come, Yeah. we're born, we have our days here, and then we're gone. Um, I never, I don't know, this just made me come face-to-face with what my belief system is. Um, 
I don't know, death just really does something to you. It teaches you something that no other experience can. And then suicide as well just gives you a more in-depth teaching of that lesson. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, that's been my experience too. And um, I think in terms of our audience and uh, anybody who has lost somebody to suicide or maybe somebody who's considered taking their life or somebody who is just cringing at the fact that we're actually saying the word, right? Because this is not a word that this is not something that you talk about, right? Mm -hmm. Um, What do we have for them? I mean, in terms of you have some feelings about I should have been there more often, right? Yeah. Um, I certainly have had some, why didn't she call me? Yeah. Or um, I should have, I, I was worried about the fact that we kept trying to get together and it kept not happening and I should have pursued that. Like you can see in hindsight all these things that you wish you would have done. Yeah. Right? But ultimately, could I have changed anything? Right? Who knows? Right. Who knows? And um, I think being willing to admit that I just don't know can allow me to turn it over to the big dog. Yeah. Allow me to, uh, you know, be in prayer, meditation about my grief needing help with it, um, trusting that, that God understands what's going on even when I don't. Yeah. You said something a few minutes ago. You said death really does something to you. So we could be talking six feet under death. Mm-hmm. We can be talking about the death of an idea. Yes. The death of my ego. Yes. Getting over myself. Mm-hmm. And things like this, when I found relationship with somebody on this planet in in the flesh that I've connected with, whom I love, who I've shared experiences with, who I've had hope for, when I've invested myself in those ways, Mm -hmm. and then they take themselves out of the game, it's like a break, it's like being cheated on. Like we're over, but you didn't ask me first. Right. I don't even know where I'm going with this. I don't know. It sounds like allowing someone their freedom to choose to be free. Yeah. Knowing that everyone has a choice. And because someone chose to leave this body on their own terms, it still was their choice. And then releasing it, I think that'll help with the, um, it's called something where you blame yourself or you feel like you could have done more. Survivor's remorse or something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I had somebody actually say to me, um, because I was going on, I was like, man, you know, the whole ideas of... uh, Suicide is is a sin, and God is going to be angry, and you're going to go to hell, and all of that heaviness, right? Which we're not going to get into here. Uh, But it came up in conversation with another friend of mine about our friend who took her life. 
anyone who's contemplated suicide, we got to speak to them. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so actually, if if you're listening and you've thought about it, you've contemplated it, um, I just feel like you need to know that it doesn't make you weak. Um, it doesn't mean you're trying to take the easy way out. It just means that you've suffered some things a little bit longer than than maybe other people. If I could encourage you to just just hold on a little bit longer. Um, take some steps to reach out to people. And if in your heart you know that you really don't want to go, but your mind is telling you, and your circumstance and your trials are telling you that it's too much. Say a prayer. You know, and it's crazy because, <clears throat> um, you know, what's done is done. I can't bring my friend back. Uh, Denise, you can't bring your student back. You're, mm -hmm. you're a young man in your life. And there's a handful of people who have gone by their own hand and I can't can't bring them back that doesn't mean that I wish that they hadn't called and that doesn't mean that I don't think that they uh, would still be here if shame hadn't been in the way if hopelessness hadn't been in the way and so and I and I don't know I'm not claiming that I that I absolutely know uh, what was going on in the lives in the minds in the hearts and the spirits of the folks who take their lives because that's remarkably arrogant and I'm not I, I don't want to be misunderstood as saying this is what they did and why right yeah. having been in that level of depression and that's that place of hopelessness myself before uh, what I know to be true is the most remarkably difficult difficult hard as hell thing that I've had to do is reach out of that darkness to somebody and say what I was terrified of saying so that I could see tomorrow. And I learned to do that because I'm a woman in recovery from alcoholism. And I had to do that once with alcohol. But I've had to do it since with depression. And I promise you, in my experience, I always feel different the next day. Give yourself a next day to feel different in. Yeah. Because what I can tell you is even if we sit here, Denise, and we seek to understand, appreciate, and respect folks' choices to take their lives, they've left behind children, families, people in the community, there is a tremendous void created when one story checks out, right? Oh, yeah. And so... Uh, yeah, just speaking to depression, so maybe you haven't thought about suicide, but there's, I believe, and what I've seen is that there are steps that lead up to suicide, and just heavy depression is... Um, a really big indicator. What does heavy depression look like? 
to from what I've experienced, because I suffered from um, depression for a while, from postpartum depression um, to to what I call heavy depression. To me, it was me not getting out of bed. It was me staying in my room for days on end in the dark um, and just losing all ambition. And it's crazy coming out of my mouth now because now, you know, I'm on fire. Uh, I... I just look forward to each day to helping somebody. There was a time where I didn't want to answer my phone. I didn't want a text message. I didn't want to reach out. Like I wanted to stay in the place that I was in with no one bothering me. Um, really, no, no real responsibility. And even with postpartum, it was bad because I had my children and I didn't. I had this urge like, oh, I need to take care of them. But I did not want to get out of bed. Um, so for many people, it actually comes in different forms. Um, some people dive clear into their work and just aren't connected to anyone. Um, they're workaholics like 24 seven, you know, or some people go into drinking or smoking, but really depression is you being all by yourself in a world that revolves with with no one getting in or getting close. And that feeling of you being alone gives you the feeling that you have this choice to take yourself from people because you've told yourself they're not really connected. You know? Absolutely. And I think that's really important what you just talked about is our need to be connected. Right? We, we've been socialized in in our country to be independent and to be strong and to minimize uh, emotional expression and maximize tough guy, I got this ism. And so we've got this idea almost culturally that I gotta, you know, I don't, I can't need people. Mm -hmm. I gotta pull it together and do this. But here's the thing, right? Here's what we fail to talk about which is so important to discuss. And I'm so glad that you just brought it up because I think you hit it right on the head. We are designed to be connected together. We are not intended to be the hammer, the wrench, the nail, all of the tools needed to build something. Right. We all have pieces of the answer. And the bottom line is things like depression, things like addiction, things like shame, they suffocate life. They, su they, they douse the spirit. They suffocate and they separate. Suffocate and separate. Yes, ma'am. That is so true. And I can get to a place when under the influence of depression, which sometimes is a conditional situation. Somebody's going through something and can't pull themselves out of the grief. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's mental illness, yeah, which is also clinical and which is very real for people. Right? So that's not a conversation we're going to have right now either. But <clears throat> understand that there are distinctions even within these categories, right? Right. So with depression, with addiction, with succeeding, with success-driven people, there is this desire to keep others at bay. Sometimes it's because I don't want to bother them with me. I've, I've become consumed with my own problems and I truly feel, truly, truly, truly feel like nobody else could understand. 
I truly believe that nobody else uh, wants to hear it. I imagine that everybody is as burden-laden as I am, and who am I to put my stuff on them? And I, I just, I, I convince myself of this need to stay by myself. And I, I think sometimes it's because I care about the people around me and I don't want to drag them into it. I know I'm toxic. But here's the thing. Like you said, there are quite a few steps that, that occur prior to that uh, toxicity. Mm-hmm. And if we can learn to... Uh, if we can shift from this independent lifestyle to a connected lifestyle, back to community, it takes a village. Get to know your neighbors, get to know your co-workers to a degree. Choose friends. Choose them well, but choose some. Have some friends. You know? Have some. Have some some friends. Take some friends. If we can get back to the habit of that, right, of enjoying and celebrating community. Right. Because I'll tell you what, Denise, I got a lot of really good ideas. <laughs> and you know what I found out in the last couple of days? Talking with you makes some of them even better. Yes. Isn't that something? Yes. Makes them real. I wish you all could see her. She is <laughs> blushing. <laughs> She's blushing. Thank you, Miss Chin. Oh, Lord. Thank you, Miss Chin. Okay, so that's about 40%. We'll see what happens from here. Um, Let me know what you think. Go to my website at www.soulnotskin.com and uh, give me feedback, if you would. And uh, tell me about what kinds of conversations you'd like to hear me conduct. Thanks for coming by.